All right, everybody, welcome back. We are back at the AC Hotel, and I've got a couple of special uh, people here for this episode. Steve wasn't available, so I brought in my friend Ashley, who uh, works for an event company, so she is a fabulous uh, choice for a guest host for this episode. How are you today, Ashley? How have you been? It's been a while since we've seen each other. Yeah, I have just been doing a lot of everything for everybody. So I've just been busy doing all kinds of stuff. So it's always crazy. And our our guest is uh, John Connors. A few episodes back, we talked with um, a couple of his um, compatriots with Hall of Breakfast. Uh, oh, their names. Uh, uh, Courtney and Jesse. Courtney and Jesse. Yeah. And that, that was a great conversation, learning more about Hall Breakfast. And Hall Breakfast is almost done. Yeah, we're September 1st is our last day, so we're counting down the days. There's, I think there's like eight more operational days that will be there. Um, tell us what you think of the, the su- success of it and, you know, what it's It's been, yeah, you. it's been great. I mean, it's far surpassed our expectations. We are from here. We had a lot of hope that it would that people would understand what it is and and catch on to it. I mean when we first launched the idea and we're running digital ads the vast majority of people that saw the ad just assumed we were a restaurant and yeah and so there was a long period of time or not a long period of time but an intense period of time right at the beginning of launching the event that was about messaging what are we actually and so you had a minute during that time or at least I had a minute where I thought what if what if just no one ever gets it? I mean, what if they think this is a restaurant until they get here and then they're really disappointed and then it never really catches on. But pretty quickly, once photos started going out and we had a couple you know, key guests come through and share their experience, it seemed like the city really grasped onto this idea of a creative art installation space that could be fun and allow for things as trivial as just taking photos for your Instagram feed and things as meaningful as kind of waking up your creativity to to go out and then and make the world itself a little more creative. Uh, on top of that, today we cut a check to the Utah Food Bank that will cover 100,000 meals, which is really, really cool. Uh, we, As every person has come through the door, we've donated three meals to the food bank. Um, so, you know, we're up to 30,000 people and that much money can cover quite a few meals, which is, is really great. So it's been cool. It's going to be it, what initially it, we're from here and initially we thought we would just do it here. It's gone very well. And so the plan now is to take it to a few other markets and with a similar model. I mean, it will be if in the space, everything is kind of built custom and in place. And so as we move to new locations, it will be a bit of a design build where you go into the space and say, okay, here we could do this and here we could do this. We're also really into partnering with local artists and local producers, so there will be a fair amount of that in the new city as well. And for all breakfast, all of the, or most of the artwork is was done by local artists, correct? All of them but that's the flamingos? All, that's correct. All of them except the flamingo. The flamingo is an, an artist from Chicago named Andrew Grist. But everything else in there is a Utah-based artist. Of all the different rooms, did you have a personal favorite? Or are they all <laughs> your babies? I mean, I love I love <laughs> something about all of the rooms. the The murals by uh, Ann Chen and Jill DeHaan 
Um, and Michelle Christensen, who uh, uses the, the tag My Little Belleville, for me are just kind of breathtaking. Like they're really, I, I like mural art to start with, but being able to have a wall and the scale that you can do on, a, on an existing wall versus making something in a shop that then gets sent there and you're kind of stuck to like four by eight kind of sizes of sheet goods and things. It's watching them work on those walls the Nothing Before Coffee mural was one of the first ones that we saw kind of finish and materialize into a an image that really gave us a feeling for the room. And so that one yeah. kind of has a special place for me. But. That was my favorite room. And on your YouTube, there's a, a time lapse. Of yeah, that. we've got a time lapse. You did that whole thing in one night, which allowed us to do a time lapse. But it's very, yeah. very cool. Wow. I think the most Instagram post that I've seen is Pancakes versus waffles. Yeah, that's a really popular one. I mean, that's a, it's just a fun, the repeating pancakes and waffles, those foam pancakes and waffles are really fun. And I, I really like the, the political posters on the other side of the room. Yeah, th those are great. You, you'll, you'll see when you check it out. I don't want to ruin it for you. Yeah, Courtney that you had on last time did most yeah. of those. Yeah. I mean, she's an incredible graphic designer. Now coming up, you've got another event locally. <clears throat> the Pumpkin Nights. Yeah, Pumpkin Nights is, uh, this is now its second year in Salt Lake City and its third year in existence. We started it three years ago in Twin Cities actually and brought it to Salt Lake last year. But it's a similar concept of taking something, we like to take things that are really, really everyday, something that's very familiar like breakfast and then try to turn it a notch and make it surprising. So you're somehow surprising someone with something they see every day. Pumpkin Nights was an opportunity for us to do that with pumpkins, which are you don't see every day, but in the fall you do see every day. It's a very common thing, and even a jack-o'-lantern, which is, when it was first done, probably felt like that, like, oh, that was something normal that got carved into something cool. That's become really every day. So for us, Pumpkin Nights is about, can we take that idea of pumpkins and leaves and everything that is so common in the fall and turn it into these magical lands and sculptures? So we have a dragon that's... 40 feet long and made out of 300 pumpkins and he breathes smoke that smells like cotton candy and we have a pirate ship that's they're rebuilding it right now and it's actually like the thing can probably float it's built so well uh, but it's a full-size pirate ship and it has wow. a mast that's made out of pumpkins and you've got pumpkin pirates on the mast and so it's a very immersive set design event it takes place at the fairgrounds so we, we can be a little more expansive with the space than we are at hall of breakfast and it's uh really something else so are the pumpkins so is it a bunch of artists like carving pumpkins and just submitting them and you guys are using them in art installs is that yeah we have so we have probably 15 artists that work through the summer full-time with us carving foam core pumpkins. So they come just like a pumpkin. You have to actually carve them the same as you would a live you know, squash pumpkin. You don't have to gut them, which is nice. And then they don't <laughs> rot, which is also nice. So they, they're carving them through the summer. I mean, they've been carving pumpkins since uh, May. And they're just getting, because there's, there's three to 5,000 pumpkins in every city that we do this. We do it in four different cities. So they're carving 20,000 pumpkins every year for this thing. And then on top of that, we bring in giant live pumpkins and then we have local 
there's a whole industry of live pumpkin artists, which I didn't know until we started doing this, but they're, they're like these incredible sculptors and they bring their sets of tools and they sit in front of a giant pumpkin the way that, you know, Michelangelo would probably sit in front of some marble slab and they just start carving out shapes and they'll do spaceships and aliens and dragons or, you know, the face of a troll or all, just unbelievable things they'll carve. So they come many nights of the week and in a giant pumpkin typically takes six hours to, for them to carve a sculpture out of. So they'll be carving live all night as people come past. And that's turned out to be one of the kind of crowd favorites watching those artists work there because it's amazing what they pull out of a pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> wow. There's even a there's a Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. So there are enough people that grow <laughs> giant pumpkins that they have an association and then they have carvers that go around with them. So That's great. So what where did the idea for pumpkin nights come from? You said it's similar to hall breakfast or you know, everyday thing, but where did it actually bubble up from So our first event as a company was the Color Run. And the color run is a 5K where we throw colored powder on people as, as they run. And the kind of magic sauce of the color run, in the beginning we thought, oh, it's just about making a 5K a little more fun. Um, but what it ended up being is we're creating these moments that people can capture in pictures, and we're creating events that all sorts of ages can go with. So we're allowing people to bring their friends, whatever their various kind of interests or abilities are. The color run was broad enough and easy enough to do as a 5K that you'd have a grandma and her daughter and her granddaughter and they'd all come and run the event together. And then the photo opportunities were good enough that they'd get a picture together. And so they had this really tangible memory that they could carry with them. So though it seemed at the beginning that what we're selling is sort of a 5k or color what we're really selling was a memory we're kind of like in the industry of making uh, memories for people or at least providing a stage for them to make a memory that they can catch the photos is sort of the easiest way to recall those memories so for us it became this sort of two-part equation of we need concepts that are accessible enough that people can go with the people that they care about that you, you it's, it's not so prescriptive that you know you have to be really specialized to do this thing we want it to be really broadly accessible and then we wanted it to have enough great photo opportunities that people could really capture things to remind them of this time they had and this moment they had with people because those moments when you get down to it are sort of the only thing we keep and so it became sort of a fun mission for us of let's create these broadly applicable things that have great photo opportunities. And the 5K, where in the beginning we thought maybe we're just a running company, it became more about we're sort of a memory-making company. So we started thinking, moving out of the 5K, what are some times a year that we like to have memories, times a year that, that we're reflecting on all the time and as we flip through your phone you say oh I remember last fall I remember at least for me in Utah when the weather starts to change in the fall it's, it's a really exciting time for me yeah it's the best and oh, so it's my that, yeah oh, I'm glad it's finally cooling down too oh, <laughs> it's been hot it's been a hot it's been summer nasty. so um 
and you've had a, a similar run to the color run, the electric run, and that's like a black light version. Yeah, we have the electric run, which is a, a black light, a night run. We actually had the color run night as well, which was a black light version of the color run where we threw powder on people. We did an event called Soul Pose, which is a yoga festival that we incorporate black lights and body paint and, and some other things. We host the the 5K for Major League Baseball's All-Star Game every year. So we sort of have our hands in all sorts of pots with events, but they all carry that same theme of every event we've ever done is accessible to a really broad audience. It's better if you participate in it with a group of people that you care about. And there's going to be places where you can get great photos of you in that group that you can reflect on over time. Great social media content. Yeah. Yeah, the Hall of Breakfast is definitely that. It's I, I get on YouTube sometimes, and I searched Hall of Breakfast, and there's just tons of YouTubers on there that recorded everything. So that's that's just awesome. I'm excited for Pumpkin Nights. Um, when is that running? Pumpkin Nights, oh, man, I should have looked before I came. Last year it started the second week of October. I actually think it's starting a little earlier this year. I know the tickets go on sale the first week of September. So if you go to pumpkinnights.com, you can look it up. But I, I think it's starting that first weekend in October. So what, what was your upbringing? Like you were uh, born and raised here. What, what, what kind of stuff were you into and, and that kind of stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have always been into music and arts and just generally like Things that capture moments, which is what I find myself still doing, have always fascinated me. So great photography, great pieces of art, great pieces of music have, have always, from a very young age, been interesting to me in their ability to transport you emotionally to other feelings, to transport you mentally to other locations, to allow you to walk in other people's shoes for a while. All of that, the ability of the arts to help you see the world in more depth has been interesting to me for a long time. My mom is a folk singer, songwriter, and so I grew up with uh, with the combination of her and my dad, who is this incredibly intelligent uh, attorney and judge and the smartest person I know uh, in the world. And so they sort of have this combination of viewing the, the power of art and beauty uh, combined with the importance of, you know, just good rational thought um, and good communication. So that's sort of how I was brought up. I grew up in Farmington, like a half hour from Salt Lake, um, studied philosophy in school, and then started doing events uh, through Sundance Film Festival and then through Color Run. Awesome. Did you have a question? Um, yeah, my question was is, I mean, how you got into events and what made you <laughs> well, I mean, philosophy is is a funny degree. Everyone always asks what you're going to do, and I used to joke that it's like a pre-construction degree, which I also did for a while. But the philosophy for me was interesting because I'm always interested in trying to dissect why why people do the things that they do. And that actually led to events really well. When I started working in events, a lot of what intrigued me about events was trying to imagine, okay, how will someone interact with this part of my event? And what could I do to elicit a response that's more in line with what I hope people will feel 
at this event. So it kind of felt like this really fun communication game of figuring out what you want people to say and then helping plant little clues along the way that encourage them to to say and feel what you hope they say and feel within that space. So it's, it's a, it was a more natural connection than I think it seems uh, at first. But as, as someone who grew up going to a lot of concerts, going to a lot of live performances, the events world was always really interesting to me. Yeah, I, 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 grew, I mean, I've gone to so many shows and I think it's just that feeling of being there live and just having that like, connection with the artist and just being there. Um, something that I always ask my brides, um, you know, like, what do you want people to walk away from your life feeling like? Or, you know, mm -hmm. I, and I always try to bring them and their own personalities into the event. So it's not like, it's just not like any other wedding that they go to, you know, they just go on, say hi, eat a cupcake, and you know, it's kind of boring. But yeah, I, guess I like that thought process. I think that's a great definition of events. How did you end up doing events? Um, I actually started uh, doing flowers for events, and then uh, I'm pretty good at just logistics and just knowing how things should run, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started working for a venue in Salt Lake, uh, doing everything. <laughs> <laughs> so and not just flowers. So it just kind of grew into this. I'm an all. I can do everything. <laughs> You're like a turnkey event yeah, exactly. shop. And I, cool. through my design, I've worked with her and I've seen the stuff that she's put together and it's just been awesome. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, we want to ask fun questions. Fun questions. Do, do you want to do the bonus questions or? Yeah, we'll talk about. Uh, oh, who inspires you most? You know, you talked about your parents. Um, outside of them, is there anybody that you look up to and kind of? Uh, I'm a really big fan of Brene Brown. She's a, a writer and storyteller and um, and a professor. And she speaks a lot about the importance of human connection, about the importance of vulnerability and how that allows people to get to a point where they really can connect with one another. And in, in the space of events, I think if you don't, really value the importance of shared experience and the value and value the importance of one person being able to connect with another then you're probably in the wrong uh, industry because w what events is about at its core is really giving creating spaces for human connection and she for me right now feels like one of the kind of lead thinkers in that space so i'll read a lot of her stuff I am a big fan of the people I work with, actually. Like, probably the most influential people in my life are the people that are on my immediate team uh, at work. So you met, you met Sophie uh, Wickers, who helped create uh, Hall of Breakfast. Um, Carter Hurst, who's one of the artists there at Hall of Breakfast, uh, is, for me, one of the most creative and inspirational people that... Uh, like, I look up to him a lot. Uh, I get a lot of inspiration from watching the way he approaches problems and adjusts to them. Uh, similarly with Sophie, Sophie gets a very clear vision of what she wants something to look like or what she thinks it should look like, and she's able to be um, appropriately rigid in that. You know, she doesn't let it get swayed so much by everything everyone says, but she sees 
what it should be and is able to pull the ideas of other people in and kind of line them up with this really good cohesive vision. Court, who did the graphic design, uh, is of course um, really inspirational to me. Jesse and Kristen and Chelsea are all artists that, that worked on this. And so for me, it's like the inspiration of being able to watch artists work every day and getting to work with them. That's far and away the most influential thing in, in the way I do my work is the people that I am lucky enough to work with. Yeah, um, that night that we got the tour and everything, it, it was great meeting all those guys. The, the closest experience I've had to that is when uh, me and Steve went down to uh, Evermore and interviewed their sculptor down there. and We got a tour of their creative space, and it's just, just all different artists just doing these specific things. Some's working on the armor and the chainmail, others working on these creatures, and it's just... I, yeah, they do cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Almost as excited as I am for Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited for that, too. I mean, Evermore, is, they came through. Uh, they're, some of them are friends with Jesse, one of our artists, and so they came through Hall of Breakfast, and they, man, they're doing a cool thing down there. Excited for that. Okay, we'll do, we'll do the fun questions now. Do you, do you want to ask the, the first one? Oh, sure. Um, Dylan wants to know, who is your favorite Muppet and why? Man, that's a... <laughs> That is an out there question. Um, I like uh, Grover. Is he the Grover, the blue one that is sometimes like it yeah, flies? Yeah. 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 For me, as I think of the Muppets, that's the guy I think of that I like. And what I, what I like about him, if I'm remembering him correctly, is my recollection of Grover from growing up is it was this, he was this sort of, kind of goofball guy but the endearing thing about Grover was how much he believed in whatever he thought he was about to do and that charms me I mean it, in in every case I can think of with him it was like to his detriment he was believing in something that he really couldn't do and then he would fall off the top of a building or something but that sort of willingness to believe in yeah he was, yeah. he was, he's charming. I liked him. He wore a garbage can sometimes, I think, like for armor. <laughs> and he was the waiter in some of the skits. Yeah, he, he's a great one. My wife can, uh, the book, uh, there's a monster at the end of this book. My wife can do a perfect Grover impression oh, while really? reading it. That's I need amazing. to record her sometime, but yeah, it's, it's an experience. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, uh, who would play you in the movie of your life? Who would play me in the movie of my life? Boy, that's it. Maybe Grover. <laughs> Maybe I'd have Grover play me in the movie of my life. I mean, I think he could be a pretty good fit. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with that. We'll have Grover play me in the movie of my life. Yeah. There we go. I mean, the last movie I saw with Grover, he was like a really successful plumber. I think that's what happened in the last Muppets movie. Like, he had started a plumbing company, and he was, like, super wealthy. Huh. So he may have time. Yeah, maybe. So let me ask, um, when you hold these events or when you start these events, uh, how do you market? Because the only way that I see anything anymore is on Instagram. Like, it'll just be like a sponsored post or something. That's how I found out about Hall of Breakfast. Um, you know, I remember last year I saw a lot of people going to pumpkin nights on Facebook and mm -hmm. how do you get it out there? 
there, well, there's, you're sort of looking for this mix of uh, owned and earned media. And so we create our, you know, Instagram and our social media pages, and we make sure they're really attractive and really on brand. And then we'll run a series of digital ads that will try to drive people there. But typically the most effective thing for us with our events in the beginning is working through local grassroots media influencers, getting some traditional media will help, but usually can't get that till right as your event is happening or even after it's opened. But we'll work with, you know, here in Salt Lake City, there is a, there's a really strong network of influencers, uh, bloggers, and uh, Instagram personalities that are, that are effective because they speak honestly about what they like doing. So we partner with the few that we really like. We work with the Salt Project every year. We work with SLC Moms every year, and both of them will then come do the event and our hope is that they like it. We've been lucky enough that they've liked it <laughs> both times. Nice. Uh, and then we work with them to, to promote it. And since they're consistently promoting only things that they think are really high quality, the people that follow them are, you know, they're very inclined to listen to what they suggest. And so then that gets the ball rolling. And then the photo taking opportunities on site then become important because once you get people coming into the space, Assuming you've made an event that's good enough, your next goal is like, I just need these people to talk about this yeah. to everyone else. Like, I want them to leave here and tell everyone they know about it. So your, your goal as an event producer is making something worth talking about, worth taking a picture of. That's harder with pumpkin nights than hall of breakfast because it's outdoors in the dark. And so hall of breakfast, we're able to do things with lighting that made it so most photos people get are pretty high quality photos. Pumpkin nights, that's more of a challenge for us, making sure that, you know, even in the dark, people are able to get really high quality photos so that when they tell their friend, because with both events, they're cool enough that people will want to talk about it. But you kind of need in today's age, a photo to go with your conversation. Like if I start telling you about something I like right now, I'll immediately reach for my phone and be like, I've got this picture of it. Or like, we'll look up the website, you know, so making sure that there's there's shareable content on site at the event is really important. So that, those are sort of the three steps. You start creating your own owned media, really, really effective and on point story and know the story you want to tell. And it's nice to be doing that before a lot of people are looking at you, you know, so you, you built that up when you have very few followers, then you start pulling in the, uh, the bloggers, the influencers, what you can get from the press. Most of that is going to be earned media uh, in that they're going to come through it and they're going to post about it without um, you exchanging any sort of money. Some of it will be owned. Um, your digital ads will definitely be that way. And then, you know, once the event's open, you hope that you have a good enough event that your customers become the voice of your, yeah. your product. It's been fun. And did that happen with Hall of Breakfast? Did you, you know, did, were you able to pull back your advertising because it was just self-promoting? Yeah, we've been able to. I mean, we continue to advertise because even with the self-promotion, there's just people to reach. And so we'll advertise as long as there is good return on that advertising spend, which is a pretty easy thing to track. So we continue to run digital ads, but what we see is more and more uh, those ads become more effective and we're getting more and more uh, people coming through who've seen it more organically through 
through friends of theirs. So it's, it's good. With Hollow Breakfast, it, it has gone as well as uh, we possibly could have imagined from a branding and getting the story out there side within the city. Mo- most of the, or much of the credit for that is due to Sophie and Courtney, who uh, you know, Sophie runs the social media. Courtney really managed the look and feel of the branding, and they've just done an incredible job with it. What's next? We know Plank Pain next. Is next <laughs> what's after that? Well, I, we're going to take Hall of Breakfast on the road, so that'll keep us busy for a couple months. I mean, we're probably shooting down uh, Southern California area um, this fall and early spring. We'll get that up and going, and then we'll, this is usually my favorite part of each year, actually, is we'll just sit back and kind of look at the marketplace and the world and see what it, where it looks like there's to be something cool, yeah, see what we need that would be fun to produce that we're, I mean, you look at the world and there's a million things that people need, but there's only so many things that, like, we're actually good at doing. And so trying to find that intersection of, like, hey, there's a need here, and it's actually something that we're kind of good at doing. That sort of hide-and-seek game is fun for me, and so we'll yeah. we'll start doing that after the new year, probably. So um, where can people find out more information about your company and uh, the events? The So each event has a webpage. There's hollowbreakfast.com, pumpkinnights.com, thecolorrun.com. Our company has a webpage, bigsley.com. And then each of them have Instagram. Instagram is, is the social media we use the most. We, we use Facebook for event. You can create events on Facebook, which is nice. And that allows you to communicate more directly with people who have already said, I'm for sure going to the event. But most of our brand voice comes through on Instagram. So I would start with Instagram. Like if you're looking like, how can I know what's going on with Hall of Breakfast? And how can I know what's going on with Pumpkin Nights and The Color Run? Go follow all three of them on Instagram. They're beautiful. All three of them are beautiful Instagram accounts. And so I think you'll be pleased if you do. Well, thank you, John, for joining us. Thank you. This has been really fun. Yeah, has. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. So long. <laughs> cool. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>